This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. On every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. On today's episode, I'm joined by Adrian and Joseph, and we're going to talk about the best launch title of this generation or maybe any generation. And that's, of course, Halo Combat Evolved. So first of all, how are you? Uh, how are you guys? Doing good. Yeah. How are you, yeah, Adrian? Yeah, doing all right. You excited to talk about Halo? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a good, chunky bit of my uh, my adolescence. Let's dive into it. <laughs> uh, for sure. So a little bit of background on Halo. Um, Halo Combat Evolved, or Halo 1, as I'm going to call it, or just Halo, as, as I'm going to call it for the rest of the show is a first person shooter developed by Bungie and published by Microsoft. And it served as the launch title for Microsoft's entry into the hardware business. That's the original Xbox. And I say the, like emphasize the, because it was easily the best game of the bunch that was released along with the console on November 15th, 2001. But if you don't believe me, here's some of the other launch titles, Air Force Delta Storm, um, <laughs> Arctic Thunder, which is the snowmobile version of Hydro Thunder. There was actually two NASCAR titles released as launch titles. So like Microsoft was really emphasizing that they were the only American company in the business. <laughs> uh, they released NASCAR Heat and NASCAR Thunder. Um, Project Gotham Racing was actually pretty good. And hey. uh, Dead or Alive 3 was also a launch title. And my favorite non-Halo launch title was Fusion Frenzy, which is like Microsoft's version of Mario Party. So yeah, it was like... You and Bill Gates really <laughs> love that game. Yeah, it was like the electro, the cyberpunk Mario Party. Uh, so clearly, there's a like there were some good titles in the launch. There was a bunch of mediocre titles, and then there was Halo, which was very good. Is that the one with people like in like balls on the cover? Fusion, fusion, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the the cyberpunk uh, version of that like, air bubble, like Running Man. Yeah, like yeah. the Arnold movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, prior to Halo, most of Bungie's games were developed for PC and uniquely also for macOS. In fact, early versions of Halo were in development for macOS first and were even shown to Steve Jobs, who wanted to reveal the game to the world at Macworld in 1999. Yeah, reading about that tripped me out. I was like, Nintendo or Apple's really been pretending to care about games for this long? <laughs> Well, Bungie also had like the Marathon series, which was, I think, exclusively on Mac, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it ever came out on PC. actually had some stuff, but yeah, Apple hasn't given a shit about games for a long time, <laughs> even though they pretend to. Yeah. So Halo was a third person shooter at this point, at the time of that it was shown to uh, Steve Jobs and the game looked very different. However, Bungie found themselves in financial troubles after a bug was found in Myth 2, which was their big release prior to them working on Halo which caused a massive recall. So they reached out first to Take-Two Interactive uh, of GTA fame and later to Microsoft Studios for help. Take-Two and Microsoft split up Bungie with Take-Two taking Oni and Myth, like the, the ownership of those, and Microsoft kept Halo and Bungie itself, <laughs> thus ensuring Halo would no longer come out on macOS and PC and instead first be an Xbox exclusive and would later out come out in PC. But that's pretty much how... Microsoft got Halo as an exclusive. They bought them out. Yeah, Take-Two uh, made the, good, the best choice there. Yeah, Take-Two is uh, really happy with their Oni uh, IP <laughs> ownership. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Bungie adapted their ideas into a cohesive game in less than a year, which is very impressive, including shifting from a third-person perspective to a first-person and also creating a control scheme or control system that feels good on a controller as opposed to like mouse and keyboard, which all other shooters were just adapted from before. And of course, crafting a story in less than a year. All of this is very impressive, especially considering that what came out was a fantastic first-person shooter that felt like it was conceived for a console from the get-go and not just adapted from a PC shooter. The game also featured a great sci-fi storyline where humanity finds itself in an intergalactic war for their life against a fanatical religious alien cult spanning multiple alien cultures known as the Covenant who were hell-bent on wiping humanity out. The player takes control of a super soldier who, along with the help of an AI, after crash landing on a mysterious ring planet, like the titular, the titular Halo, are tasked with not just rescuing other survivors and mounting a counteroffensive, but also keeping the location of planet Earth a secret. The story gets really interesting, however, when a third civilization enters the picture known as the Flood. They're a parasitic superhive which consumes everything in its path, and the ring world the story takes place on is revealed to be a super weapon which can stop the flood, and Master Chief, along with his AI companion Cortana, are enlisted by Halo's own AI to activate the weapon. And I'm going to take a break there because how did they come up with this story in less than a year, and how did they program it into a game? Because it's obviously super intricate, super detailed, super deep, and it just... It's a really good story. Reading about the development in general just gave me anxiety. I can't imagine being the people who were working on it, dude. Like, they're scrounging around to the last minute to get this huge title out. Yeah, and then, like, they moved offices in the middle of it. They moved into, like, Microsoft headquarters, and they were sleeping in the office, and all of these horror stories. <sighs> and and somehow this thing came out, especially with that yeah. story. Yeah. Especially when, like... I contrast how this story came together at the very end compared to how Echo the Dolphin Defender of the Future story <laughs> also came together at the very end. And one of them's like this incredible cinematic epic thing. And another one's about a dolphin like traveling a, through time. <laughs> yeah. And has like a book tie in and all this other like mythos to it. <laughs> yeah. Halo. The other ones, you turn into a fucking alien as a dolphin or an alien spaceship as a dolphin. Yeah. And Halo makes no mention of uh, compassion or you know, whatever it is that I could. <laughs> so, in addition to the story, the game was innovative in a couple of things. For example, the player could only carry two weapons at any given time which all other first-person shooters at the time enabled you to carry a bunch of weapons. Uh, the total number of weapons in the game were also fewer than other games, but the weapons were so well-designed and so balanced that it didn't really matter. And players could also throw grenades without holstering their primary weapons and could use their equipped weapons as melee weapons as well. So that was pretty impressive, and I think it was the first the first first-person shooter to do that. Um... While the single-player campaign was excellent and deep and all-around great, the game also had a fantastic multiplayer mode where you can play locally with up to four players, like splitting the screen into four, or have LAN parties with up to four Xbox consoles, each with four players for 16-player sessions, which was incredible at the time. Multiplayer game modes included Team Deathmatch and Capture the Flag, and also had maybe the coolest multiplayer announcer of all time. Double kill. Triple kill. So Killing all of this came together in less than a year, and I I can't get over the fact that it happened so quickly. 
In terms of critical reception, Halo was easily the best reviewed launch title for the Xbox and maybe the most popular Xbox video game ever. It has a 97 Metascore based on 68 critic reviews, which is very impressive. GamePro, I'm always going to talk about GamePro because GamePro was my favorite magazine at yeah, the time. Yeah, what was the fun factor on it? What was the fun factor? 5.0. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, GamePro. What, what did Major Mike say? I think it might have been Dan Electro. That oh, okay. Did <laughs> uh, you know Dan Electro? There was actually, fun fact about GamePro, uh, multiple, like, multiple characters were written by the same editor. So like oh, each editor had two characters. So huh. you could kind of find I, who was who. I feel lied to. <laughs> um, I one time got a, a, a copy of official Dreamcast magazine and they had a cheat for um, published in that magazine for Tony Hawk pro skater uh -huh. uh, for the Dreamcast. And I didn't see it published anywhere else. So I just, wrote it down on the letter and sent it to game pro tips <laughs> and i i was the tip of the month and i got code veronica for free oh wow with with my name and game pro and then um my mom then got that uh magazine and cut it up for my nephew to make a collage so i was very ah. sad that my one issue of GamePro with Spider-Man on the cover was cannibalized. <laughs> I think I remember that issue, but Adrian, you, if I were you, I would have that framed like right next yeah. to my to my college uh, degree right on the wall. It's on my you resume. Gotta for, you gotta look for it in your collection, Ron. I, yeah. I probably do have it. If it's a Spider-Man on the cover, I think I remember it distinctly. <laughs> so uh, so GamePro gave it a perfect score, as did notoriously tough EGM saying that, quote, it engages your intellect on a whole different level, end quote. IGN gave it a 97, highlighting how its story is good enough for a full-length novel. And in fact, there was a couple of full-length novels written about Halo, like right before and right after this. Um, a website formerly known as 4fatchicks.com, but now mm -hmm. known as taprepeatedly.com, which for some reason is listed on Metacritic, gave it a perfect score, highlighting that Halo is a good shot in the arm for 3D shooters. Why the name change? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I couldn't really find any bad reviews for it, to be honest, but I want to point out that this game was reviewed by the Triumvirate of College Bro magazines. I'm talking, oh. of course, about FHM, Stuff, and Maxim. Uh, Maxim Online in the review talk about how the player takes control of an eight-foot-tall cyborg, though, which at first <laughs> seems like they didn't really play the game, but... Maybe they played it a little too closely as well. Are talk they just about implying that he might have like a big dick? <laughs> they, they very well could be. Um, Was he not a cyborg? Uh, no, he's a superhuman, super soldier. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, it's basically like um, Spartans are basically like witchers, like hmm. taken as children, genetically modified. And now they're like these dudes. Except there is no uh, cool song on a netflix series about spartans like there is about witcher we'll uh, find out show, yeah the showtime show oh that well, is a, true today i learned i guess um so pretty much everyone every publication named halo their xbox game of the year but egm named it its overall game of the year which is very impressive because in 2001 grand theft auto 3 and metal gear solid 2 were also released ign also named it its game of the year um but like the criteria for them was, I guess, a little different because the, these were their finalists for Game of the Year, which I considered a little bit odd. They had Black and White for the PC, they had Eco for the PS2, and Civilization 3 for the PC as finalists for Game of the Year. But yeah, Halo beat out 
those other three titles for IGN's overall game of the year. But just looking back at 2001, it was a great year, and there was still games being released for the N64, for the Dreamcast, for the Xbox, for GameCube, and of course for the PS2. So the fact that Halo rose above and like won Game of the Year from all these publications in that crowded field uh, just shows how what a good game it was. In terms of sales, Halo sold very well, and it's not a stretch to say it's directly responsible for the Xbox's early success. In fact, more than 50% of Xboxes were sold alongside with copies of Halo, so people were buying the machine just to play Halo. By April of 2002, it crossed the 1 million sales mark, and by 2003, it had sold 3 million worldwide, adding a million every year after that. Halo earned a total of $170 million in the USA alone, which is very, very successful. In fact, everyone that I knew with, a, with an Xbox had Halo. And yeah, dude, I had Halo before the Xbox even came out. Like, <laughs> uh, Microsoft put out their software before their consoles even hit the hit the streets bef um, before they launched. Yeah, and I was I was super on it, and I had the game in my entertainment center before I even had the Xbox. <laughs> had you heard, like heard much about it before then? Yeah, like I I I had I had GamePro. <laughs> That's just wild to me. At least also reading like the de like the development story seems like they were doing like fixing it right before publishing. Yeah. Also like going back to GamePro, like with their preview section, they had a thing of like they would have they would quantify how done a game is. Mm. So I remember reading like, oh, um the PS1 version of Spawn is 70% done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would totally do that. I don't know how they calculated that, but I always took that as accurate. And I would get so annoyed when, like, the progress wouldn't shift from month to month on a game. Was just, like, just on zero? It's like, it's been a whole month. <laughs> I, would, I would call Electronics Boutique, shout out to Electronics Boutique, <laughs> uh, and ask like every week and ask for like release dates on stuff. And you can tell they were totally annoyed and they alienated me from doing that by uh, calling me a ma'am <laughs> with my prepubescent girly voice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Halo sold incredibly well and um, it, it, it was just a, a runaway hit. A couple of behind the scenes or trivia about this game. So, before it was a third-person shooter, Halo was actually originally conceived as an RTS, or real-time strategy game. And how it shifted to third-person mode was whenever you, you could take direct control of certain units, and whenever you would take control of a vehicle, you could drive it like from the like from behind the wheel. And that mode was so like popular and it looked so good that they were like, maybe it should just be a third-person mode because this really doesn't belong in an RTS. So before it was a first person, it was a third person, but before that it was an RTS. Um, and once it became a third person shooter, it was gonna be originally an open world video game featuring deformed terrain, like by explosions and persistent environments, which sounds very ambitious, especially for the time and especially for their situation where like they're recalling games after <laughs> game ending bugs, right? Uh, Master yeah. Chief was originally gonna be a cyborg uh, so maybe, like I said, Maxim Online actually paid closer attention uh, <laughs> because in E3 2000, uh, Bungie showed off a trailer of for Halo, and it had like a like a 
a cutscene where Master Chief is sniping uh, two elites from very far away, and he has this antenna on the back of his shoulder, and his mm. voice sounds stereotypically robotic, like perimeter cleared stuff like that. <laughs> like you sound like a Star Wars droid. And uh, actually, if you look into the audio files of the game, you can find all of the lines that Master Chief says as uh, cyborg. As like the first See? thing in there. That's uh, why they data mined over at FHM. They knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, the Maxim the Maxim people actually looked at the source code for all of their reviews. <laughs> the Maxim people. <laughs> um, so Halo, like Microsoft was heavily invested in Halo, and there was a proposed tie-in with the movie AI. Remember that movie featuring Haley Joel oh, Osment yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jude Law as a robotic gigolo? <laughs> <laughs> so there was going to be a Halo tie-in. Uh, they were going to feature it prominently in the movie, but they couldn't. Um, but that really showed the intent that Microsoft had in really pushing Halo as their launch title. Um, the tagline for the game, Combat Evolved, was kind of forced onto the name by Microsoft, who were afraid that Halo was too weird or unmarketable of a name. So they wanted to change the name to something else. They compromised and added Combat Evolved as a tagline just to make it sound more military because uh, even back then, Microsoft wanted to avoid unmanly games, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> Are they also the ones that made Destiny? Yeah. Bungie. So see, I get the, uh, I guess they really like the ambiguous titles that were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Halo theme song with the, you know, the Gregorian chants was written in three days by Martin O'Donnell, who yeah. was Bungie's audio director. And I was reading that he apparently drew inspiration for this song from the Beatles yesterday. So the whole score was written in three days is what I read. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's even more it was, impressive. It wasn't like a lot of different ones is what they, what they, what I had read is like, they found a bunch of different ones to piece together and like use, uh, well throughout the game. So you yeah. never really felt like it was the same, like, I guess four, maybe five, six different, uh, themes. Yeah. But yeah, the whole thing was written in three days. Yeah. That's super impressive. And I do see that because a lot of the songs have, I don't know if the correct term is the same motifs over and over again, but yeah. at least you can loop them um, throughout. But that that Gregorian chant went down as arguably, in my opinion, maybe like the best modern theme song to a video game. Um, yeah, I think so. Until Skyrim, which also featured chants with their Dovahkiin yeah. song or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that that. Do you guys have any uh, trivia or behind the scenes that you remember or that you saw in in your research for this? There was a um, programmer, a lead programmer of the on on Bungie during that era, after my namesake. Oh wow! Uh, Adrian Pettis, um, <laughs> and I, uh, for a class project for someone else, I posed as him. Like <laughs> it was like a corporate communications, and they did like an interview. I'm like, oh fuck it, do it. I'll talk about Halo. Identity theft is not a joke, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get into the questions. Uh, first of all, what is your favorite thing about this game? So, Adrian, what's your favorite thing about Halo? I think my experience with its multiplayer. It's the whole experience of thinking you're a big fish. <laughs> and when you play with others, you find out, oh, the skill ceiling on this is actually way larger than <laughs> I had any idea of it. Um, there was a application for the pc called xbox connect and uh, when you connect your uh, xbox to it 
it essentially tunnels you and creates like a virtual land with other people out in the world. Um, so I, I remember playing with uh, right before college, playing almost every summer night, hmm. uh, taking two Xboxes and having eight of us play. And then we first then connected to the internet and realizing uh, while we thought we were hot shit playing, <laughs> like there are serious people playing and it kind of opened up the world to like online gameplay uh competitive uh and halo was the first game for me that yeah i think for me also multiplayer was maybe the, my favorite thing about this game i remember having land parties over at uh, our friend jacob's house with uh he had he had two big tvs and we set them up like and both ex it was like one team on each xbox four players on each one and it was like we were sitting back to back and playing capture the flag against each other and i think that was our summer going into senior year so it would have been the same summer that you mm -hmm. went to college and that was the best and it was just i don't think i've ever had a, a similar multiplayer experience than that because there was just eight of us and we would just sit there all day and do annoying things to each other, you know, look There's at each other's so screen. Many satisfying aspects about it. Like chasing yeah. people down with a needler and like getting them with like sneaking up on people with the sword. Oh yeah. And I remember I was awful at the sniper. Um, so like I never even touched it, but I could gun you down with that pistol, which was apparently overpowered. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> Three headshots. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Reload. Yeah, that's the one thing that I think was easily my favorite thing. What what about you, Joe? Um, I was going to say multiplayer as well. Uh, I can make one more observation for just to vary this up a little bit, but as far as stuff on multiplayer, um, to double down on what Adrian said, yeah, even getting to like a local level, not even connecting online. Cause I used to just play with my brother's friends and I was the one at home, like learning the maps and shit in golden eye and perfect dark. So I would just work <laughs> all of them. And then even like get into my, like just playing with my friends. I was like, ah, shit, like I need to get way better at these games. Cause I remember I'd always just have to end up sticking people in gunfights. Cause I knew I was going to lose. <laughs> but, uh, but I, the other thing that I really liked about it is how cinematic it feels. Like this is the first game I remember really feeling like it had set pieces. Like when you get onto like beaches and they have mm. like things that they want you to see. Um, because they also had the soundtrack scored to that. Like it's the first game, like we were talking about with um, Grand Theft Auto last time. This one was the first one that made me feel really like cinematic. Mm. Yeah, the single player campaign had a lot of great moments like that. And also like Grand Theft Auto, all of the cutscenes were in engine totally. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this, this era really started that need where the graphics and the game engines were good enough to not require a separate cinematic engine. And that really made the storytelling seamless because as soon as the cutscene was done, you were there and you could just pick up where the cutscene left off, which was also really cool. Do you guys remember any specific maps that you really liked for multiplayer? And besides Blood Gulch? Yeah, I was going to say it's Blood Gulch, right? Everyone's yeah. Blood Gulch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was the best map. I remember I, I even made, I pirated a copy of Photoshop and made a wallpaper of Blood Gulch, <laughs> put it on Deviant Art, and it got over a thousand downloads, guys. So I was a, I was a pretty Ooh, big deal I, graphic designer back in the day. <laughs> There's uh, one that was a wild sniper um, level. It's basically like a spaceship cut in half. Yeah. With 
uh, teleports. Yeah. And I remember having there was always you always have that one friend who's always like the better sniper. Yeah. And at that point, it became like that movie Enemy at the Gates of like, <laughs> if I show my head, I know I'm I'm going to get headshotted. <laughs> it's the tension of that. Um, there's a, like another maze like game uh, level called Wizard, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, Hang them high, though. Hang them high is legit. Pretty good. Um, is that the one that had like the it's a huge metal room, the tombstones uh, looking thing? I think so, um, but they had a rocket launcher hanging real high. Ah. That's, what I was gonna, that's what I thought it was, the chaotic one with the rocket launcher all the time. Yeah, so the tombstone thing. <laughs> Looking thing, yeah. Yeah, the sniper one was called Boarding Action. Yeah. And I remember on one session, I got very angry at our, at our friend Jeffrey um, because he was a really good sniper. and yeah, That's he, who I was talking about. <laughs> he killed me probably like five times in a row. And then, you know, that announcer that would come on to make things worse, it was like, kill streak or something like that. I was just like, oh. <laughs> and I, I felt like he was picking on me. He probably was picking on me because, like I said, I was the worst at Sniper, so I always hated that level. Yeah. And he's a jerk. If you're listening, Jeff, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question. What's the standout moment? So, uh, Joe, what's what's a standout moment for you in this game? Um. It's kind of lame, but I really like the title theme on it. Just listening, like the way that, uh, what's it called? The theme, I guess, is really what I really like about this game the most. Yeah. I didn't really have it, so I had to just rely on other people's copies of it. Mm. Um, so always on that title theme and seeing like Halo, because I didn't really know much about it. I just wasn't able to play the single player until much later. Mm. Um, I really liked that, but. I did get to play it once and I think it was like a demo set up as a demo or something, but it wasn't on demo mode at mm. somewhere. So I only got to play it for a little while. And I remember like first seeing that crash and then realizing like why it has the name and getting to like uh, look up and actually see the curve in the halo. Yeah. I just remember that part distinctly. Yeah. That was a really cool moment. I remember that too. What about you, Adrian? What's what's a standout moment for you? Uh, there's a campaign level um, where you drive, you you ride in on the Pelican and land on the beach. Mm. Uh, the Silent Cartographer, I think it's called. Yeah. <sighs> and uh, you fight your way up on the beach. This is like maybe a few years after Saving Private Ryan. So like every game company was chasing that dragon of like, how can we have our own <laughs> Private Ryan moment? Mm. Um, so yeah, you take the Call beach. Of Duty had one too. I think. <laughs> yeah, like literally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they try to do that same thing. Uh, it's aliens, Saving Private Ryan, and Gladiator are like the industry's touchstone for the early two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then they drop a warthog, and then you go ham on the warthog, <laughs> uh, and so it goes from in exteriors to interiors. Uh, pretty seamlessly and it, it felt like it was the gameplay thesis of Bungie put mm. into action yeah I do remember that transition and how there was like no loading screens or anything like that and mm. it was like it felt like oh wow this is this is like a movie almost <laughs> so totally um for me I think the standout moment was the flood primarily because they caused a tremendous amount of anxiety in me because <laughs> I've always been kind of bad at shooters and the flood were literally just like an endless onslaught when they 
when you're trying to get away from them. And I remember losing so many times and, you know, you, you restart at like the last checkpoint, which was like right before the flood. So that took me forever. And I just remember like, I can still feel my hands get sweaty at those crappy little bugs rushing at you and just, but also it was like an exciting thing because it felt like, I guess I felt real. It felt real to a certain extent that these things are mindless, just trying to kill or whatever. But that that's what I remember the most. Uh, it's a cool like twist there too, just to have this whole other third uh, race introduced without ever like having any hint of them. Out, I think. <laughs> yeah, something really cool about that is that in the manual they break down like every species in the covenant, every weapon, every one of their weapons, whatever. But there is no mention of the flood. <laughs> so like if, if you look, even if you just read everything in the game, it's like you have no idea that it's coming. And all the reviews are pretty good. If I remember correctly, none of them spoiled that moment. Um, so yeah, when it came like that little cutscene right before when you see the soldiers and stuff like that, and when you're trying to get away from them, all of that just really made me very anxious. What is the worst part of the game? That's the third question now. What do you think, Joe? Uh, not so reignite the console was, but that it was on Xbox because I never <laughs> had an Xbox. Um, I, yeah, I really only played like the remasters later when I got when I finally got like a 360, I think was the first one I got. Mm. Um, yeah, that was about like it that I had, except uh, let's see, playing through it, I guess. Or not playing through it, but um, seeing the playthroughs on it, I think it was just too dark in a lot of places. I know that I was reading that they had to put like um, arrows down because it was ambiguous for oh, yeah. some people because the yeah. maps were, or not the maps, but the levels were so big. Yeah. Um, but there were parts where I remember seeing like, man, it's just too dark to even see these aliens unless you've played this a lot. Like they're going to be right on you and you're not even going to be able to see it. And I know there was a flashlight, but I think there was a meter to the flashlight too. So you yeah. couldn't even have it on all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that that is true. A lot. I don't know why I felt like that was like an art decision um, or a design decision from on behalf of the team, or maybe I'm just covering because I'm looking back at it with like nostalgia. <laughs> but that that sort of feels like to me. What about you, Adrian? What do you think was the worst part of this game? Um, at some point, they ran out of time to make like art assets, so they said, "Okay, let's just <laughs> have you go." run through the same level <laughs> the opposite way <laughs> um yeah. it's a lot of like at some point it just it pivots and then you backtrack yeah um and you kind of see that from like the the library um level where you fight non-stop flood yes uh, um, Is that the, one, the elevator yeah the big okay. space elevator yeah uh, and then after that, you go through a huge, again, like in one of those exterior interior levels, but this time opposite <laughs> where you're going counter what to what those arrows on the floor are telling you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think for me, it's I kind of paired with that arrows thing. I was one of those people that needed the arrows because it, 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 to me, it was a difficult game. And what made it even worse was that they had harder modes. Like I remember this is the first game of the era that had like that legendary mode, which everyone took as a, like it was a bragging rights thing, right? That you beat it on legendary. And it was like a different ending where I think he took off his helmet if you beat it on legendary. So I could, I was nowhere near close beating it on legendary. I don't think I could get past the first level on legendary. Um, because I can't imagine those last couple sequences on legendary. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't. 
I would have probably cried and rage quit or something. <laughs> but um, that to me is was the worst part of the game. It was just hard. And I was one of the people that needed the arrows because I got lost in it. So, <laughs> so um, and the fourth question, how did this game age and what parts of it age the best and the worst? What do you think, Adrian? Um, I think for me, what's aged probably the worst is its art design. Mm. Um, and I, I, again, like going on the idea of the industry of this time from Blizzard to Bungie, just ripping off of Cameron's aliens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like the space Marines, the Pelican, uh, and most egregiously Sergeant Major Johnson, <laughs> a cigar chomping African-American, uh, who's a sergeant. <laughs> uh, who the way he even barks his orders at you is just straight up stolen from Cameron. Uh, and but the big chunky armor that the 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 Marines have, I think it ultimately, like for future Halos, also is like an anchor around its ankle. Mm. Of it, it forces them to always have this not quite realistic. Um, aesthetic right that even brought to like 2020 feels aged out already yeah yeah it's it's it feels kind of like starship trooper z and not more real i guess or not something that a truly intergalactic species would be doing at least yeah. from well, our frame now 2001 glasses having a, a like a big eight foot tall robot man sounds dope <laughs> but in 2020 like what <laughs> um like the things that it would be probably cribby now like if you were to do a complete like revisionist recreation of it like it would probably like it's some kind of elysium like exosuit yeah kind of like how um a call of duty did that one year yeah um advanced warfare uh but a thing that I think has aged the best um, is the core concept that it kind of gave console shooters of having good invisible auto aim. Mm, yeah. Like aim assist. Yeah. As well as a balanced allotment of, of weapons of even now, like from apex legends to call of duty, like you're going to have two weapons on you at all times. Yeah. And that's a gameplay innovation, mm. I would say, even though it's more of a restriction uh, that Bungie and Halo came up with. Yeah, I would say for me that I, I think that's what age the best. Also, the controls, because like I said, I, I've always been bad at shooters. I was kind of good at tribes on the PC because I was really good at piloting the thing. But as soon as I got on on a controller like even like unreal tournament on the dreamcast i would get smoked all the time because it's hard to aim with with the joystick right and halo felt different i only found out years later that they actually worked really hard to interpret and like develop a, a, a system that understands what the player is trying to do and kind of guides them there mm -hmm. right and it's seamless because it doesn't feel like you don't have control and it it feels a lot smoother. So it's it's I think that's definitely something that aged really, really well, especially considering every other game now does that on the console, right? Um, yeah. But Halo was the first one that really did it and really did it very well. Um, 
And another and thing, did it, oh, and did ahead. it on the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I felt kind of cheated later on when I found out that there was aim assist, but it makes sense because there was no way I could get three headshots in a row otherwise with the pistol. <laughs> um, I'd also say that the emphasis on storytelling above just mayhem in a shooter um, is something that that Halo kind of did first. Uh, I could just be ignorant on shooters, but up until this point. Most of them were very light on story and more on just weapons and an emphasis on multiplayer and kind of just like cause as much mayhem as possible. Look at how many enemies you can mow down type of thing. And Halo, just the story, just like it was a narratively very solid game that compelled you to move forward. Not just because I want to unlock more guns, but because I really want to know where this is going, right? Yeah. Um, so I think this is where I kind of like part ways a little bit on that like with by problematizing it a little bit i think uh halos and its success um during this time during in 2000 november 2001 Mm. um is i think colored and tinted a little bit by what was happening in the news a little bit Mm. uh 9-11 right uh so Stop me if you've heard this one before of uh, religious zealots uh, coming together and attacking uh, the essentially the West right. and forcing us into a, a military quagmire where uh, in fighting them, we unleash uh, a unknown terror <laughs> upon the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like th- that's why I think like it resonated with a lot of people. <laughs> That makes total sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just like they're attacking and the like, West for their religious reasons, and we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and uh, like that year was also like the Fellowship of the Ring mm. in in the movies, and again, like that's a an attacking force from outside coming in, and while America sees itself as like the Shire, right? Yeah. Well, if, if, if anything, we are way, Americans are way more like hobbits than they are super soldiers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the Fellowship of the Ring makes a little bit more sense. Uh, what, what do you think, H, is the best or the worst, uh, Joseph? Well, before that all got burned to the ground, um, I was going <laughs> to say the story, actually. Um, but that mostly just because of like, I like, like deep universes and like yeah. this launch, like comics, like there was the book that they had come out like right before it. There's like... They ended up doing a real-time strategy game. They have, like, squadron-based game, like, and people kept buying them over and over again. And there was certain people that had, like, favorite ones. Like, I knew people who only liked ODST or, like, liked it the most anyway. Um, And it just seemed to really capture enough imagination that people wanted more of this universe. Hmm. Yeah, and it's wild that the universe is is what it is because... um, Again, like the the story is that they yeah, they, like they take bad. these kids and then <laughs> Inject forcefully them. Yeah. they flash clone them. Yeah, give those clones to the parents and then clones unbeknownst die. to them, and those clones die just yeah. like they have a, a limited shelf life. Yeah, yeah, that and is. the military keeps the originals, and the training cripples or kills a lot of them. Yeah, and what's left are the Spartans. And they did that program to quell, like, civil unrest in other colonies. So, like, mm-hmm. so like 
Spart like a cab with Spartans. Yeah, the cops. Like, <laughs> yeah, so like the story just its default is you know what fascism. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about the Halo universe, though, that it's kind of vaguely believable. Like I can totally see the U.S. experimenting with a super soldier program where they, if they could flash clone kids, they would, right? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's just like. I can totally see that happening. So it's like sci-fi, but it is, I guess, because of the fascistic tendencies of modern day America. It's very, uh, it seems like it's not too far stretched that that would happen. In terms of what age is the worst for me, um, I think it's the dialogue sound mixing because I was watching some videos recently and it's just like the soundtrack is great. The music is great. And then whenever Marines speak, it's just like they're like right on your ear right yeah. it's just and it's super clear which is it just kind of sets me off and i don't remember it being that bad at the time it, it could just really line be, up with the animations either yeah it could just be that now it's we've gotten used to um to i guess good sound mixing in video games and back then it wasn't such a big deal but i think that aged badly and also the, i think the music aged very well um Especially that Gregorian chant at the beginning. Like I said, I think it's the. the why one... is it Gregorian? Why is <laughs> why is there chanting? Why not, man? Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna fight a religious cult, we gotta show that we have some of our own, right? <laughs> Skyrim makes sense. Like the whole the whole game's about like voice, like <laughs> yeah. uh, playing Ghost of Tsushima right now. There's Mongolian throat singing in that, so yeah. a lot of chanting with that. That's cool. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't get why there's whatever. That's fine. <laughs> and who's singing? Who's who's doing the, oh. the Spartans? I, they were also trained to sing. Yeah, I, saw, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing an old YouTube video where it was like uh, Master Chief just pointing up like a uh, machinima style um, doing the chants. So it, it very well could have been him. But that transition from the chants into the dun 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 dun, 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 dun I, I love that. Yeah. And I, I yeah. again, I think that's the one modern that's, song. Yeah. It's it's iconic. It's unmistakable. I think the other trappings, the music in between those set pieces, I think, are a tad hokey. <laughs> oh, you wrote it in three days, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's good for those three days. I don't know if, he, if it's music that... Uh, if he had another pass at it, if he had four months and knows and and was told, "Hey, this music's going to be iterated on for the next twenty years," <laughs> if the motifs he chose would be the same motifs, yeah, and if he had some idea what the story was, probably that would have helped too. <laughs> because if I hear Halo, I don't imagine the Ring World. I imagine something like, "Yeah, it's probably a Renaissance painting based." So I'm gonna put some monks in there. Uh, in terms of what the legacy of the game is that's the fifth question what do you think is the legacy of this game adrian um again kind of going on the idea of the two weapon it's gameplay i think yeah Uh, both it's gameplay and i think the culture of it um so the uh two weapon limit the rechargeable shield mechanic which was fairly new for the time also yeah uh doom quake stuff like that you, it was all health pickups. Yeah, you, your health was always a percentile that either was always it was not fixed. Uh, but with this, you always they gave you a, a a small moment to get into safety and get back to the status quo of having full 
full shield. Right. And that kind of created a ebb and flow of the gameplay. Yeah. Um, and you were given enemies that had a very similar uh, health status like that with, with the elites. They had the same similar um, shield mechanic. So it became, uh, by having that parity, um, the fights became longer. And because they were longer, people's perception of the AI being good <laughs> began to like. I think that's why people think the AI is good, just because the fights were longer. You're yeah, having could, a longer interaction with them. Yeah, because you're on even ground more so than than in other games, right? Yeah. Um. So I I think that's something that a convention that is used up until like even now, uh, like you have recharging health in nearly half of the games on market. Mm-hmm. Um, but also culturally, like this is the start of machinima <laughs> of people using the in-game tools, limited as they may be, to create their own narratives and skits and stuff. And that saw the rise of uh, Red versus Blue, which that is like Rooster Teeth. I'm, I live in Austin and yeah. uh, Rooster Teeth has a huge convention every year. Yeah, And it started on by just messing around with Spartans in Blood Gulch. Yeah, Red Rush's Blue was awesome. I remember watching that uh, thing so much. Um, what's the name of the characters again? I forgot. Tucker. Tucker was one of them. And then the Sarge. And it was all, and it was all done in the Halo engine, mm-hmm. which I, I always wanted to do. So that that's a good legacy, too, because I would say also this kind of led to uh, Gary's mod, right, which came out later. And then Gary's mod facilitated a whole bunch of machinima style in engine creation that still exists to this day. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Joseph? What do you think is the legacy of this game? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of twofold. I, I also believe that in terms of like the controls and the um, mechanics that it implemented, like it really set the standard for what um, first person shooters would be going forward, like the two weapon thing. Um, the melee and like being able to just uh, throw grenades like every game does that now and it's built off of this game that first kind of launched that that's why when we were talking about influential titles like yeah i think grand theft auto has the broader influential because it launched like a whole genre Mm -hmm. but in terms of like influenced what a a specific game would be going forward because everybody looks back at like golden eye and perfect dark with like a fondness but this is really the one that like turned it turned it into what it would be. Um, And I think also more so than even the sports games that we mentioned, like this was really the Trojan horse to broadening um, video game audiences. Like this is the first game I remember jocks playing and like (laughs) we made like land parties. It it made it like a household term then. Like we had, we would have this, these cyber classes where like our teachers didn't give a shit. And so like we'd have random kids just come into our class all the time and then they'd have an Xbox because they were just randomly carrying it, going to their friend's house after school. And then we'd have one, some like somebody else would have one. So we would just local multiplayer there. And like, it was the first game I remember playing with every type of person. Mm. Yeah. The great, the great mainstream mainstream of fire or whatever was Halo. I I remember that too. Bring, bringing the 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 goths to the nerds to the jocks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go maybe a little bit hot takey here, but I think the legacy of Halo is the fact that Microsoft is still in the hardware business. Like if if Halo isn't a success, Microsoft bows out after one generation, and pretty much every console that Microsoft has released since except for maybe this current one has so you, benefited so from have, Halo. 
you have no faith in Azric being the uh <laughs> Yeah, I have no faith in Viva Piñata uh upholding <laughs> the Xbox 360 or what Camille, whatever else, whatever when they bought Rare and Rare was gonna save uh Microsoft and propel them to the top or whatever. I, I think I think that's the legacy of Halo. Halo was a hit and Microsoft is still here making game consoles because of Halo. Yeah. Um that that could be hot taking be- even though like it did change the way uh shooters play and control and you know the the seamless aim assist and all that stuff i just think it's it's like microsoft built its whole games division on top of halo if it wasn't for halo they they really lucked out with that one yeah for sure and the sixth question is this the peak of any of the studios or generation? Like, for example, is this the best Halo game? Is this the best Xbox game? First-person shooter game? What, what do you guys think? What do you think, Joe? Uh, I don't think it's the peak for any of them, obviously. Like, looking back on it, there's, like, flaws to it. But it definitely is, like with Grand Theft Auto, the foundation that, like, a lot rests on. From, like you were saying, like, Microsoft and their hardware game. Microsoft, like, video games division in general. Bungie, mm. like, we don't get Destiny without this. Mm. Um I think there's also like another dev team that broke off from them too at some point. So it's just like what a lot has, is built around in the game industry these days. Hmm. What do you think, Adrian? Yeah, it's it's a no across the board for me also, but <laughs> with it's like an asterisk on it. Um, like, is this the best Halo game? No, um, but it's probably the most iconic. Hmm. Um, like by just name dropping blood gulch like that's right. the it's a halo one map uh and i would ask anyone else name me a map an iconic map from any other game right that's not a variation of blood gulch <laughs> uh there, there may be one but like not to the the size of its cultural cachet that blood gulch has and the the cachet that halo kind of like imparts um is it the best xbox game also like i think there's um knights of the old republic uh ninja gaiden yeah the team ninja one yeah yeah there there's some like absolute bangers in that in for the xbox um that were exclusive to it that i think for me they resonated a little bit more Mm. but uh even like first person shooters uh maybe yeah for, for first person con- uh shooters for the console maybe was just edged out by by halo 2 hmm. but i don't think yeah. there was really a, a shooter on the xbox that matched it yeah i i think well, i'm gonna be again really yeah i think i'm gonna be hot takey again guys here um because even though it's not my favorite xbox title my favorite and the actually actually the reason why i got an xbox was remember when sega stopped uh like the dreamcast and then said we're just gonna release everything on the xbox that's when i got the xbox for (laughs) jet set radio future and panzer dragoon and gun valkyrie Uh, those three are the reasons why i got the xbox but for me i think this is like the best game on on the Xbox or the most this is the peak of the Xbox because I don't think there's any other game that the majority of people got an Xbox for like I I don't think Halo 2 moved as many Xboxes as Halo did or I don't think Splinter Cell or Fable or Knights of the Old Republic or 
um, I don't know, Madden 2003. I don't think any other game moved as many Xboxes as Halo did. And again, I think it's just like the reason the the Xbox exists is because of Halo. Sure. Yes. But Halo 2 was an event. Yeah. It was huge. There was like lines around the block for at game stores for it. Um, I I missed a test <laughs> to play Halo Two, um, it, and, and so Halo One I think wet appet- people's appetites. It had they had like three years for it to get into the culture, but I think Halo Two when it dropped, it was it was enormous for them. But wouldn't that just mean Halo Two is kind of a sign of how successful Halo One was then in doing all that it needed to do? Maybe. <laughs> I remember I remember uh Halo 2 my frame of reference for it is I had a bet with uh my government teacher at the time one Mr. Acosta um <laughs> who if I could predict the results of the 2004 election down to the electoral count correctly <laughs> um he would buy me a copy of Halo 2 and I think I swapped Florida and Ohio and, and got it wrong but uh yeah I do remember Halo 2 being a big deal I just don't think it's as impactful as Halo. And maybe it's because of those things where it's like, I saw jocks play it. I, I don't remember having LAN parties for Halo 2 because Xbox Live was already up. So mm-hmm. it didn't really have that um, that weight that that Halo 1 did for me. Literally. And I can't remember the... Uh, I can't remember any maps from Halo 2. You know what I mean? Like, all I remember from Halo 2 is that you were able to play as the Arbiter, right? I think that was the big thing for yeah. it. Well, again, I, I I told this story to you um, in in the pre-show, but I Halo Two leaked. This happened <laughs> in my freshman year of college, uh, and uh, my neighbor in shout out to Jester Dormitories <laughs> at UT uh, had a had a cracked Xbox, uh, a modded Xbox, and my, a friend of mine spent his entire month bandwidth to download the ISO. <laughs> And we put it on, and we had Halo 2 two weeks prior to launch in French. <laughs> uh, so we, we learned... Did you guys look we, up? <laughs> yeah, we played it on Xbox Connect, so we were playing it online already. Uh, all the while, separately, uh, Microsoft was doing the ARG called I Love Bees. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that ARG and, was so good, and uh, it culminated in like a preview event in like four places in the whole United States, and Austin was one of them. Uh, so they took over the Alamo Drafthouse Theater, <laughs> and they had a whole bunch of th- a theater full of nerds play Halo Three, Halo Two multiplayer early, nice. um, and they everyone had a turn playing. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, we, our, our group was called to play, but we already knew the maps <laughs> and they could tell who was, it, who played it early and who didn't. So like, <laughs> so Halo 2, like it is, it's a soft spot in my, in my, in my brain, just because of what was happening, uh, in my life and the fervor around it, like m- my entire floor was playing it. <laughs> you that could have also been the moment you got blackballed by Bungie though man they they knew they knew you had played a leaked copy and uh they never let you back in <laughs> nothing as your like heart sink into your stomach than getting a letter from the FCC 
saying <laughs> that you're pirating content too much. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that letter a couple of times. I won't reveal what made me uh, get that because it's embarrassing. But I, 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 I think still, I don't think it's a hot take to say that this is the peak Xbox game. Um, and it came out at launch, but... I, I wouldn't put up too much of a fight if you say it's Halo 2 or Knights of the Old Republic or, or even Splinter Cell, because Splinter Cell was like very big. I think Splinter Cell is kind of underrated nowadays. But but for me, this is the peak of the Xbox. Yeah, it was big at the time. It's it's wild that I there's no modern Splinter Cell. It really is. It really is because it was very good. And it They're made... coming up with an anime for Netflix, so maybe it'll launch like another a renaissance oh, wow. of Splinter Cell. And it made Tom Clancy mean something again. It's just like before Splinter Cell, every Tom Clancy game was boring. Now it's just like, oh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Clancy Recon. has always meant something to me. <laughs> As you look back on your bookcase full of uh, Clancy submarine Being novels. Chavez and me are tight. <laughs> All right. So the seventh and last question, how would this game work or look like in 2020? And uh, what, do you, what do you think, Adrian? I, this was a bit of a hard question in terms of halo for me how i i think it would it would dump its art style i think mm. it would it would be looking to call of duty if anything for its um like something like if it's wanted to be more fantastical yeah. it would probably want to be something like closer akin to apex legends mm. um still is able to be sci-fi very colorful very huge in Apex Legends, like the canyons are essentially like a huge animal's rib cages and stuff like that. Like mm. it's it, it deals with scale like the very very big, um, and it would I think it would still it, it would be much faster. Yeah. Um, replaying Halo Anniversary, um, and replaying that Halo One through it, I I was taken aback just how like slow the walk speed is. Yeah, and just the modern vocabulary of fps's now is just being very very fast hit the sprint slide do a jump off of that speed um it, the, halo would be a lot faster yeah. and uh the i think the combat encounters because of it would be a lot different as well um you, you would have a lot of uh verticality mm. in in newer conceived halos as well yeah yeah, we kind of saw that near the end, right? With the or at least on the ODST when you had the jetpack and stuff like that. Yeah, um, it, they unlocked that Z dimension so that you could be able to move up and down as well. So that yeah, that's interesting. I can definitely see it having to move a lot faster. And in terms of the art direction, it seems like now colorful is back in, right? Like Fortnite, Apex Legends, Overwatch. All of these games are super colorful and not just columns or and. and space and vacuum and stuff like that so that'd be interesting what do you think joe uh, i mean i think we're seeing it with like everybody's trying to find the next great sci-fi franchise like there's destiny and anthem titanfall and they're all trying to add like different mechanics like like agent said about how it would be like a lot faster i think it's also just people trying to add on to where we've come from so far is like they they don't want it to be exactly what halo was so they have to put more and more stuff into it um, but it doesn't seem to be that there's one that's held like, or that's had as wide a spread as Halo did. Um, yeah, so I think I think we're just seeing it right now. 
Yeah, I think one thing that I was thinking about was like, well, how would Halo look like if it was free to play and then Halo Infinite is going to be free to play? So it's just like, it seems like it's going to look like Halo with grappling hooks, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else they're going to do. But for me, I think uh, a new Halo would have to be revolutionary in terms of its controls, just like the first one was. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looks like, because again, I don't know how controls with a gamepad get any better. And the only thing I can think of is a new Halo would, like in order to have that same impact, would have to be a VR game that feels very intuitive or that feels very easy to control. And I don't know if VR is anywhere near that. Adrian, you're the one that has the most experience here with VR. Do you no, it, see that it, potentially? Like, no. Um, <laughs> and I think Microsoft is disinterested in VR, um, but... I think what Infinite is wanting, like what Microsoft's wanting to do with um, with Halo, in, if Halo 1 was the one that like pioneered that control scheme and the mechanics, uh, a slower, the, the two weapon limit, the, the shield and um, the slower pace of the fighting, mm. it, um, if that is what it's like the innovation that it brought, I think the innovation that it's wanting to do is accessibility. Mm. Uh, if you want to play Halo, you play it on any Xbox, you get Game Pass, you play it on your phone, mm. you play it on PC, you can play it anywhere. Mm. And I think that by trying to be inclusive, mm. that is what its innovation is. Hey, Halo for all. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I just wish there was a new game that made me feel like, oh, wow, this thing is reading my mind. Kind of like how, kind of like how Halo did, where it's just like, <laughs> I want to get a headshot. I got a headshot. I don't know how, because I can never get headshots in any other game. But I think in terms of VR, we're really far away from that. And maybe, maybe we have to sell for just having more accessibility to Halo. And maybe kids won't have to pick a console like how we had to back in the day and just defend it to the death, which is a, a good thing above all. Yeah, because again, like Fortnite is on everything. Yep. Yeah, it's on everything. And I've played it on Switch, on PC, and I've never won a game in either one of them. <laughs> uh, so any closing thoughts on Halo that either of you guys have? I just think it's like the development story. I want to go back to that because it's crazy. It's just the, like the scramble that it seemed to have. If you haven't even just been through like the Wikipedia page and <laughs> you have any like affinity for Halo, I'd say just go read that. Like the... I can't imagine that happening these days. Like I'm sure any launch title is going to have more than enough resources and they're just going to throw money at it until like it's good and they're, they're not going to we're not going to be in that scramble again like the scramble and the impact of it i guess just still boggles my mind yeah i remember like when i was in school like in college i was like i want to be a video game developer right that's why i studied computer science and whatever and then at that around that same time i started reading stories of what game development was like just the work environment and that made me go, nope, like I do not <laughs> want to sleep in the office for months on end and not see my family. And like the stories of, of these guys that moved to to Washington, to Microsoft headquarters and didn't even unpack for like a year because they just stayed in the office working on this game. Ugh. That sounds like a nightmare, but it I don't know if in, in their eyes it was worth it, but it produced something truly spectacular. Adrian, any closing thoughts? No, just very warm and fuzzy nostalgia feeling <laughs> uh thinking about it but i i the lasting impression it for me is we didn't talk about this um but it's creativity in 
its guns. And I don't think that's something that we see in modern games anymore. Also, yeah. only weirdos can think of a game of a gun like the Needler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is from like an era like Turok of like the weird yeah. weapons yeah. that don't exist anymore. The cerebral yeah. bore. I remember reading that in like Game Pro, like it does what drills into someone's <laughs> head. That sounds crazy. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, there's definitely uh, that uniqueness mm. um, is, is something that I I definitely look fondly back yeah. at. And uh, and I don't know if even like it, so Bungie then made Destiny. Yeah. I've only played Destiny a little bit, Destiny 2 even. Yeah. But even that magic, it's gorgeous. The, the Bungie's always been yeah. great at doing the uh, skyboxes and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, But I, I don't know if that magic is necessarily still there. Their, their shooting, is their controls is still are still phenomenal. So I guess that guy's still working there. But I want to know where the guy who made the needler. I want to know where that guy's at. <laughs> yeah, I invested pretty heavily into Destiny and Destiny Two. Again, I just made the connection. Though that's the only other shooter where I feel like I'm doing pretty good, and it's probably because they have the auto, the aim assist, also like the refined aim assist system on there. And yeah, there is a lot of that Bungie DNA where the characters look great, where the story is told in this like sweeping cinematic way, and there's all this magnitude to the universe with all these different races and all this lore and, and that's all there, but there, I don't know if it's because they're more comfortable or something, but it, it doesn't have. So, yeah. So I, I remember feeling. in the pre-show you were saying how you didn't, you bounced off of Halo four and haven't even really played Halo five. Yeah. Um, Cause just because you didn't like necessarily the feel yeah. of Halo yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if it's like us, like the stepfather kind of <laughs> like you're, you're not my dad yeah it has to be something like that it's like as soon as you see the three four three you're like what what, what, what is this <laughs> who are you <laughs> no but uh i think that was another easy answer that i don't think would have made sense it's just like well halo would look like destiny because destiny is a totally different game and and it's just focused on multiplayer and things like that um but do you guys agree that halo was the best launch title of the generation and maybe of any other generation. I don't think any launch title comes close. Yeah. There's no other console. That, or there's Yeah. There's no other title that made me want a console that I didn't have as much as Halo. I think I recall real fondly soul caliber for the dreamcast. Oh yeah. But, but it's not like the, the 700 pound gorilla that Halo was. Yeah, for sure. And you could always just go down to Peter Piper pizza or uh, I forgot the name <laughs> of the arcade in Cielo Vista mall. Um, Aladdin themed and play Soul Calibur there um, but yeah Halo was a great game so thanks guys for talking with me about it and for reminiscing about this, this great game talk to you guys next time Carrying yourself so well. so well, I made myself a promise. What's that? Not to get emotional. Uh -huh. As I remain stable, stable, I take another glance at you. At you. If we were this is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.